Powered by Righteous Media. Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 150. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. These are wild times in America and around the world. A time for leaders to rise to the moment or not. So it is very much a time for all of us to stay vigilant. Oh, Boris Johnson. Yeah. Who? Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister. Um, he told everybody to stay at home, yeah? But in lockdown, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, he just went down to a party in lockdown. In lockdown. Did and he? he's really not oh. he's really naughty now. So we had to go to the naughty centre and tell everybody that he's sorry for going to a party in lockdown. That's five-year-old Layla Somani explaining to her grandparents why UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson is in very deep shit across the pond. Leaders from all sides are calling for Boris Johnson to resign. And many are hoping five-year-old Layla might be free to replace him as prime minister. Layla's right. Boris Johnson has been naughty and should go to the naughty center. He was partying while the rest of his country was in lockdown, including Layla. It's a failure of leadership. And Layla's young voice is the voice of millions who are calling out Boris Johnson. He should resign. And he should go to the naughty center. But he's not the only one. All across the world, and especially here in the U.S., there are leaders failing the people they lead. The naughty center should be filling up pretty quickly. And if it overflows, there's always room at Gitmo. This week, along with Boris Johnson, you could throw Senator Kirsten Sinema in there, and of course, Senator Joe Manchin, and all the members of Congress who over Martin Luther King Jr. weekend praised MLK while at the same time blocking the expansion of voting rights in Congress. The Naughty Center is a truly bipartisan place. You could also throw in Congressman Madison Cawthorn, a regular nominee for Asshole of the Week. Congressman Cawthorn this week showed up for a Zoom meeting that was a congressional roundtable on toxin exposure. And he decided that during that Zoom meeting was a time he needed to clean his gun on camera with a round table of vets facing cancer. So, yeah, add him to the naughty center. You can also add President Joe Biden to the naughty center, who said this week that he makes no apologies for the Afghanistan withdrawal. No apologies. He said there was no way to get out of Afghanistan after 20 years easily, and he makes no apologies. So after all this madness, after all this death, he's still deflecting and denying, adding insult to injury again and again. Yeah, there's no easy way out. That's a given. But the catastrophic way we got out was not a given. 
It's forever a stain on his presidency and our entire country. The great American betrayal of Afghanistan continues. And who in the U.S. government has been held accountable for the multitude of failures in Afghanistan? Who's been fired or reprimanded? The answer is no one. Not a single person in the U.S. government has been fired or reprimanded. So, yeah, add Joe Biden to the naughty center. The number of people arrested for attacking the U.S. Capitol is now up to 700. So definitely add them to the naughty center. We covered that a few episodes ago with Scott McFarlane. And hopefully the FBI will soon catch the few dozen that are still at large and add them too. We can, of course, add Vladimir Putin, who might be invading Ukraine by the time you hear this. Putin could pretty much be the mayor of the naughty center. And there are many more who can join him. Like the three dozen military veterans in Congress who this week voted against expanding GI Bill benefits for veterans. Yes, really. Three dozen sellouts put partisan politics ahead of their fellow vets. Guess who they are? If you follow politics, I'll bet you can. It includes some notable names like Representative Don Young from Alaska and Dan Crenshaw, Republican from Texas, who this week made headlines by disrespecting and shouting down a 10-year-old girl at a town hall. Yeah, put him in the naughty center. And put alongside him, this is a bipartisan place, Bill de Blasio, the former mayor of New York City, mayor disaster himself, said he would not run for governor of New York this week, as he had been widely expected to do. Now, this was the only good decision de Blasio's made in a long time. Maybe MSNBC can now finally stop having him on. The only thing a run for governor by de Blasio would have done is make us all have to listen to more of his garbage. So, dear Mayor Disaster, please go away now. Sincerely, all of New York. And go ahead on over to the Naughty Center with the rest of them. And, of course, it's not just politicians in the Naughty Center. It's athletes, too, like tennis great Novak Djokovic, who has now been deported from Australia and will miss the Australian Open for refusing to get vaccinated. So you can toss Djokovic in the naughty center, alongside lying Aaron Rodgers and selfishness all-star Kyrie Irving from the Brooklyn Nets, who still refuses to get vaccinated despite the fact that he cannot play at any Nets home games in Brooklyn due to the city mandate that all professional athletes playing in New York City public venues must be vaccinated against the coronavirus. And he's still refusing, even after Kevin Durant suffered a knee injury this week, one that's expected to sideline him for four to six weeks. But still, Kyrie Irving won't get the vaccine. So with Djokovic and Aaron Rodgers and Kyrie Irving all together, the Naughty Center will have a hell of a jail yard basketball team. And of course, the media has lots of folks to contribute to the Naughty Center, led by most of Fox News, of course, from the traitorous Tucker Carlson to the insurrection supporting Sean Hannity. CNN and MSNBC have folks to add to Layla's brig for leadership failures, too, but few are more deserving than Fox's Laura Ingram. Laura Ingram now has a reoccurring segment on her show called Positively Boosted, where she highlights COVID-positive cases in people who are fully vaccinated and boosted. And this week, she clapped with glee 
while sharing that General Mark Milley tested positive for COVID. Yes, she clapped about the fact that the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley, tested positive. Same for General David Berger, the Marine Corps Commandant. Yeah, let's clap and celebrate when leaders of our military get sick with the virus. You know who else is clapping? Putin. Putin is clapping about the chairman of the Joint Chiefs getting COVID. And all around the world, our enemies are celebrating. So Ingram can join Putin, Boris Johnson, and the rest of them in the Naughty Center. It's going to be a country unto itself, filled with people infected, not just with COVID, but with the stupid. Because the stupid continues to be the only thing more contagious and rampant in America than the Omicron variant. And as Ingram shows, it's especially rampant in the media. So in this episode, we're digging into it. We're way overdue for a conversation on the state of the American media. The American media that far too often fails the American people, and especially independent Americans. We often feel politically homeless. We've covered that early, often, and with regularity on this show. But we're also too often homeless when looking for media, especially when it comes to the cable news networks, which continue to shamelessly coddle one party or the other, or just as often, shamelessly chase clicks, the drama, the fighting, and of course, the money. The news and political media is failing America. Partisans dominate, just like in our politics, and the two sides are constantly at war. And as our country burns, they fan the flames. They turn up the heat. And what about the independents? What about the massively underserved middle? They have very few homes in the media. That's why I created Righteous, to be a new home for the politically homeless. And as we build that home brick by brick, will continue to serve as a watchdog in politics and in the media. And in this episode, we're doing it with a returning champion, a crowd favorite, and a lover of fireball whiskey. A guest from way back in episode 16 from July of 2019. A media critic, media host, and media force of nature, especially on Twitter. An award-winning journalist, documentarian, news anchor, and producer. She's thrown fireballs all across the media, and she's back on Independent Americans. Soledad O'Brien. I'm on fire. I tell her, baby, 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 I'm a fireball. So you know her from this show way back in episode 19. Check it out if you're new around here. You know her from her time at CNN years ago. You know her from HBO's Real Sports. You know her from her time as moderator of the National Geographic B, replacing Alex Trebek. You know her and her company, SOB Productions. Great name, right? Which has produced a number of great documentaries, including the Black in America and Latino in America series on CNN. She did a doc called Hungry to Learn that was at South by Southwest and other places. And you'll soon know her from an upcoming untitled investigative series coming HBO. She's got over a million followers on Twitter, and she uses it daily to call out people in the media and politics who should be fast-tracked 
for the Naughty Center. He's really naughty now. So we have to go to the Naughty Center and tell everybody that he's sorry for going to a party in lockdown. Yes, in 2022 in America and around the world, there are plenty of leaders who need to go to that Naughty Center and apologize. And we all need to channel our inner five-year-old Layla Somani to call him out. And we all need to throw fireballs of truth and fireballs of vigilance. And especially when it comes to the media, now more than ever is a time to stay vigilant. Because vigilance is the price of freedom. Welcome to a fast and deep dive into the media in America, 2022 style. Welcome to a conversation full of fireballs. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 150. I'm a fireball. Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world, we have a returning champion back on the show. After way too long, over two years, uh, there couldn't be a better time to talk about media, politics, race, horses, all kinds of stuff, and fireball. The great and powerful Soledad O'Brien is back. Welcome back to Independent Americans, my friend. Nice to see you. Yeah, well, it was a pandemic in the middle of that two years, so I feel like I have a good excuse for for uh, not seeing you. How is everything? How you been? It's uh, you know, we're 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 we're, we're living, <laughs> and wanted uh, for the the last time I saw you, we were in person. It was July yeah. 2019. We were you in know, the classic freaking find that has an impossible address. I remember cursing your name. I'm like, where is this location? Well, I hope it was worth it. Because it was, very much we, we did have um, the, you had the best answer to the favorite drink question we've ever had. Uh, you <laughs> said you said fireball was your favorite drink, which shocked millions around the world. Yes. Well, my, you know, I do love fire. It's so sweet. You know what I like? about I like sweet drinks. So every wine has to be sweet. Every drink has to be a girly, cocktail-y sweet. And Fireball is basically like they call it cinnamon whiskey, but it's really just sugar and, and sweet. And so I didn't realize that fireball was a ridiculous drink. When I would ask for fireball, people would say, yeah, I don't have that, but we've got Jägermeister. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, I know that's terrible. Is, is fireball as bad as Jägermeister that you're just offering it to me? My children, by the way, absolutely horrified. But I've kind of moved off fire. I've had a bunch of, let's say like um, shifts during this pandemic. You know, sometimes wine and then sometimes gin and tonic, usually in the summer. And back into then red wine and then white wine and then full on cocktails, cosmopolitans, which they're too hard to make, honestly. So uh, I've left Fireball for a little bit, but someone gave me this year for Christmas a thing of Fireball this big, and they replaced the label with my face. <laughs> Obviously, I, spokes spokes lady gig for Fireball. This is a this is a tremendous sponsorship opportunity for for the makers of Fireball. And I will tell you, I thought of you because I've been teaching at my alma mater this past semester. And more than once I saw empty bottles of Fireball on the ground on the campus of Amherst College. 
And I think it speaks badly to like the reputation of Fireball because my kids will take pictures when they see a little bottle of Fireball on the ground and they'll they'll send to the family chat, mom, are you here? <laughs> but at least it was, you know, it's popular at a, at a very prestigious academic institution. So, you know, you, you, it, it, it's everywhere. And you have been everywhere. You have been a Fireball uh, on the political media landscape. You've probably added a million followers on Twitter since last time we talked we're doing you're doing documentaries you're you're doing hbo and and i think you're one of the most important critics in the country on the media so i want to talk to you about media and politics and everything that's happening um but but maybe bringing it back to to center because it has been so long where are you a question i ask all of our guests all of that where are you and how are you i am fantastic i mean i'm very stressed about the world because i think two years into covid it's it feels like people are just highly stressed and tightly wound. And it reminds me actually a lot of the time period after Katrina, you know, where just it's been hard. And so everybody's just like their, their heart is in their throat all the time. And it feels like that same time. I think people are just obviously all of us done with the pandemic and it's and on a, a you know, tightly wound. Uh, I am in Harlem, New York. I moved here uh, in November. And from Chelsea, I've lived in Chelsea for 20 years. But, you know, my husband and I sat around and thought about, like, where do we want to spend the next, I'm going to guess I get another 40 years, but probably more like 25. And I love that Harlem is really a community. And so, you know, like if you support a restaurant, it's a local restaurant. If you if you hire people, you're supporting local people. So I really, really love that. So I was very excited to move up here. We moved in in November and then we spend the winters in Florida. Although someone said I'm a snowbird, which sounds like a really little old lady. I was like, oh God, oh God, no, don't call it that. But I am a person who likes warm weather. I am a delicate flower. So uh, I, I, we moved, unpacked, and then I went right down to to Florida because I, I really hate to be cold. Well, so that puts you in the middle of all kinds of interesting things related to media, from Ron DeSantis to Eric Adams. Can I? I, I, I'm, I actually really would love to hear your thoughts. De Blasio is finally gone. This is, you know, I think that the mayor of New York City is such a national, even international position. Adams is now, uh, you know, been there less than a month. He's already making headlines. He's like a walking soundbite, um, but not always for the best, right? I mean, I've seen Eric Adams. I've known Eric Adams for a long time. He's kind of being introduced to the rest of the country and the rest of the world. What are your thoughts on on you know, the end of de Blasio and the beginning of Adams? You know, I I uh, welcome a new mayor and I'm always willing to give new people a little bit of time. I do think some of the things that he said and even when he was running uh, for the mayorship, I, I, I think it just sounds like a goofball. You know, uh, it just you're sort of like, God, you know, and I, I get it. I think people like to spin that as off the cuff and he says what he means. But, you know, again, who knows? Sometimes I think it just sounds straight idiotic. But again, willing to give. He's new. And and I think it's a tough job. And uh, I wish that. Maybe I'm hearkening back to a day that just didn't really exist. I'm making it up in my head where people who were leaders were, were spokespeople, right? They understood the power of their words. And so when every time they stepped up to the mic, they understood they're not just answering a question that they're afraid, especially in a big city like New York. You're right. It's a, it's a national gig, even though it's a New York City mayor. Um, I just wish, I wish we had more thoughtful leaders at times. I mean, so many, I can't think of his exact quotes, but just go ahead and Google it. It just, you're like, ugh, what a freaking goofball. But, you know, it's been a month, so maybe it'll improve. I'm certainly hopeful. I, I, um, I, I think uh, certainly de Blasio 
And a lot of these guys, guys mostly, um, I just wish they understood. I remember when de Blasio early on in the pandemic, you know, went to the gym and you're like, you're literally in a black suburban. Everybody know what is, what is, what is that gene where you think that what, you know, that you can do whatever you want and it doesn't matter. There's a rule for you and there's a rule for other people. I, I just, I find that so distressing. And honestly, whether you're Republican or Democrat, I don't care. I just wish leaders would would lead more and, and really put more time and effort and energy into the people that they're leading. So I have not seen anything great from Adams. I haven't seen anything terrible from him yet. I think some of the things he said is the goofballs, the best word that I come up with. You know him better than me. You tell me, what do you think? Um, I think Eric Adams is shoot, ready, aim, rather than <laughs> ready, aim, shoot. He, yeah, well, he, you know, he, he loves grabbing, he loves, he loves grabbing headlines. Um, he often throws stuff out there without thinking it through. Like when he said he was going to get paid in crypto, um, before there was even a process to pay government officials in crypto. Um, you know, he, he keeps saying my business is in New York in the same way Trump talks about the military being his. So I think he's going to step in it a lot. I think he's, he's way ahead of his skis. He's feeling it. And, you know, he keeps talking about New York swagger and we definitely need that, but it, it feels like it's going to be a bumpy even that couple of years, right? Like, you know, listen, we're, we're done with the pandemic, New York swag. You're like swagger and the, and people dying from the pandemic. They're not even in the same, it makes no sense. And listen, I've been a New Yorker for a very, my whole entire life. Although I'm a Long Islander. So people don't count that as a New Yorker, but we kind of count it, but even a New York city resident for a very long time, like spare me with the swagger bullshit, like just lead people to helping a city that actually People are scared, they're stressed, their jobs for many people are on the line, they haven't worked consistently. Like, help with that, be inspiring. Why is that so hard? Why is that so hard? I I, I love that you asked that question because leadership is the thing that I don't think people think through enough. And you've been great, pulling the aperture out a little bit, you've been great at calling out the media, even especially Mm. since I talked to you last time. You've got, you know, people you love to keep an eye on. You love to bang on Politico. You know, oh, you're, you're, you're calling out the New York Times. For Christmas. I got a Politico mug as a gift. <laughs> you got a Politico mug for Christmas. Yeah, it's in my cabinet. Someone said, here, I bought you a mug for Christmas. <laughs> so what I'd love to do, because, um, you know, you have your own company. I'm, you know, trying to create an independent media company. We're, we're disruptors. You know, we're also media critics. I'd love to have you on every so often just to kind of go around the horn and talk about the state of the sure. media, which you opine on on Twitter so often. But can, can we maybe 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 pull the aperture out? And, you know, we've got uh, a year into Biden. You know, Trump is rising. COVID. How do you how do you evaluate? And I can't say the media. Right. And I don't want to be, you know, over, over, over monolithic about that. But how do you look at the landscape and what do you see as as good parts, bad parts changing? How do you give your strategic overview of where the American media is right now? Yeah, I think there's a couple of challenges. And the challenge that really was presented with Donald Trump, where it was really sort of shown full force, was how do you deal with perpetual misinformation and disinformation? Listen, I've interviewed a zillion government officials, elected officials, they lie like rugs, but usually they exaggerate, right? People don't out and out just completely bullshit you. And so I think one of the things that's been very hard for the media to deal with is one, just people out and out lying. What they're saying is just not true. So you can spend a lot of your interview just trying to chase down a fact. And and then how do you think about 
platforming people who you know lie, even in the basic thing of did is Biden president, right? Which we would say like, that's kind of a, that's kind of a basic question. If you think of the number of people who've appeared on like meet the press who really, you know, hedge when they're asked that question or have, have tried to contest the election results with absolutely no grounding whatsoever, it's kind of scary because the media should be the ones who are holding people accountable in a way. And yet they're really struggling with what to do with those people because they want the clicks, they want the eyeballs, they're really competing with social media. So I think that's a a really, really giant problem. And, you know, and also I, I think for the media, how do you relive the glory days of Trump. You know, when you have someone who is a flamethrower and over the top and is talking about injecting, uh, what was it, cleaner, you know, something in your, your blood to clean out COVID. I mean, the number of idiotic, just really ignorant things that the president said a zillion times is, you know, I can't even count them. There are too many. But, you know, but you try to do this sense of balance. Well, Trump did this, Biden does that. And it's very challenging because I think, um, how do you compare someone who spent a zillion dollars golfing with somebody who goes home to the grave of his wife and his kid, but they try really hard. And so I think the media is reaching and I think the tone has really shifted, right? The tone is constantly this, how do we find the salacious tone? Because we're, again, competing with social media. The, the conversation on Twitter has to pop. It has to stick out. We need people to click on it. And so everything is a bit over the top when you have a guy who, I, I like Biden fine. I, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not a fan, not, not a fan, don't care. I, I just would like a leader who is responsible and knows what he's doing. So I'm not a Biden cheerleader and I'm not rooting against anybody. Very rarely do I, I root against people because I think you're ultimately rooting against your country and you're rooting against your fellow Americans. But I think the media really is looking for that Trump high that was you know, listen, the number of reporters who every time Trump would insult them, right, that became part of their Twitter bio because it was great. It was cool. Those those things are, are kind of pathetic and sad. So I'm very disappointed about the state mm-hmm. of the media. I think Politico is terrible. A, a good example is um, I'll give you a good CNN example, which I was tweeting about earlier, which is, you know, they talked about President Trump's rebranding. But, you know, over the weekend, the president said white people cannot get the vaccine. Like, that's an insane thing to say. One, it's just untrue, but also like, who says that? Like, what is the mindset of a person who is telling America in a televised speech that white people cannot get the vaccine? It's so, it's it has such a thread of white nationalism. I mean, it's just so scary. And the idea that days later, CNN's talking about the rebranding of Trump, as opposed to saying like, who the fuck actually says white people can't get the vaccine? That's just crazy. Like. The media should be focused on these things that are just utterly, clearly lies. And they really struggle to do that. So they have to you know, think of other ways to, to grab an audience. And I, I think that does not do a, a service. At one point, also they're thin-skinned. Geez, the people at the New York Times, my God, that, that's the thinnest-skinned group of people I've ever seen in my life. You know, if you criticize them, they're like, well, if America doesn't know about it, it's not our fault. You're like, actually- can, we, can we stay on that? Because I want to, so one of the things that I, uh, it feels like especially traditional media is having kind of an identity crisis. Like they, 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 you know, personality driven models are rising. You know, every reporter from the New York times has their own personality and their own Twitter feed and their own position. In addition to their reporting, which right. I feel like kind of undermines the legitimacy of it. But can we maybe go around the horn? I saw that you, you, you were celebrating nonprofit journalism, right? Which, I, which there seems to be an investment. And then you've got, you know, the rise of the renegades, the bar stools and the, 
Joe Rogan's, right? And, and where are these other folks going to go? But can we go around to a couple and let me throw out some medias sure. and just get your reaction? So state of affairs, right? You know, CNN has now got Chris Wallace from Fox. Uh, MSNBC seems to be going all in on the Democratic Party, hiring Simone Sanders to host, uh, a, you know, a show. Fox is giving Jesse Waters a show, which is, you know, baby Tucker Carlson. Let's just talk about those three. What where do you what are they right now? What is CNN? What is MSNBC? What is Fox? Utterly unwatchable. I literally don't watch any of them. I think I think cable, it doesn't provide any information. And I think for people who are looking for kind of understanding policy and information and and understanding the world as opposed to having a point of view fed to them, I, I just think it's it's unwatchable. The the low point for me when I really turned off CNN was when Chris Cuomo, you know, was on with his brother, the governor. And literally the conversation was, I am not making this up for people who haven't seen it. You know, who does mom love more? That was the, that was the, I mean, I'm not joking. That was the conversation. I remember thinking, this is just an embarrassment. Like this is, and it's a dog and pony show. And there's a lot of actually important questions that you could ask the governor at a time of crisis in the city and the state. And this is just a waste. Like, why is this joke on air? It's ridiculous. And so to me, you know, again, I think you're right. I think it's how do we turn this thing into an event? And then, of course, it backfires because suddenly it gets messy and then you can't interview your brother when it was fine to interview your brother. It's, and then it all ends with everybody losing their job, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's just messy and, and, and irrelevant. I think PBS is doing a really good job and PBS has always kind of hit it right down the middle. But I think they're very informative. We've tried to do the show that I do, which is our syndicated show, um, Matter of fact, like, here's the policy. You know, our show, we, we taped it today. Here's what this new uh, legislation that uh, doesn't allow for surprises in your billing. Like, here's what it does. Here, let me explain it. This is who it helps. Here's where it falls short. Here's the big picture. I mean, it's not, doesn't have to be sexy. I think people actually are very interested in understanding what's coming down the pike. So when journalists get a little hot under the collar because people don't understand issues or they believe misinformation. Yeah, I think you are personally responsible. You are literally personally responsible for the fact that people think critical race theory is taught in middle school. That is the dumbest shit I've ever heard. But <laughs> but if you were to go out on the street and poll people, they would tell you that. Yeah. And here we are. I mean, I'm I wonder if there's a point now where maybe people are watching Succession and they're finally understanding the difference between people on air and, and the puppet masters, right? And so the, the Cuomo example, it's no secret. Chris is a friend of mine. I used to back him up on the radio. I'm on CNN, you know. To me. Yeah, I mean, I was his backup on uh, for a little while, one of his many backups on, on Sirius XM. And, mm. and, you know, the way I saw it, you know, obviously, you know, what he was doing CNN and many others deemed inappropriate, but it was kind of like CNN trying to have both, right? They're great with Cuomo and his brother when, when the ratings are great and that show is fun. But then when, when something else happens and the guy, no surprise, in my view, stands up for his brother, goes his brother, then he's out and CNN just keeps on trucking. So like at, at what point do we pull up Right. And really hold CNN proper accountable and hold, you know, other. I'm glad you bring up PBS as an example, because I go to PBS for information. I go to C-SPAN for information. But that's like eating your oatmeal when, yeah. you know, the, when the rest of it's gummy bears and, and candy all day. So hey, listen, in, in, I think the job of someone saying this is not OK does not lie with Chris Cuomo. Right. It lies with executives who say that one time was funny because your brother's the, the, the governor and now we're done. 
And in fact, if there any, if anybody has to interview the governor, we're going to bring in Susie here and you're going to toss to Susie. Susie will do yeah. the interview. You'll, de- you'll uh, deconstruct that interview with Susan. Like, that's how it works. in. Well, normal- sometimes, you know, you cover you covered sports for a long time. Sometimes you got to you got to take the player out of the equation. Right. Like sometimes a quarterback wants to go in and keep playing and the coach has got to say, hey, bud, you're out. You're hurting the team. Right. And that would have been a situation where, uh, you know, Chris Cuomo, this is not an interview you should do. We'll get somebody else for this part. Take you out of the mix. But, you know, Cuomo is now in many ways been held accountable. Who yeah. in proper has been held accountable? Right. And no one at Fox is being held yeah. accountable. And it seems like this machine is 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 bouncing all around. Simultaneously, you've got the rise of Joe Rogan, right, who maybe gets 20 times what CNN has been getting, you know, maybe 30 times what MSNBC has been getting. Can you talk about him? Because you're a media watcher. You know, he delves into a lot of cultural points and misinformation. What what Soledad O'Brien on Joe Rogan? What do you think? Yeah. Well, Soledad O'Brien has never actually wa- listened to an entire Joe Rogan or watch, really, because, of course, they 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 do it as well. Um, I, I only listen to the clips. And, you know, yeah, I think he's got a lot of misinformation, but I, I understand why he's successful. Very conversational. I think the topics that he picks, I think a lot of people really like kind of the insight that he brings, even as they're okay with the misinformation. Like, yeah, that's stupid. That's not true. But they they still enjoy him as a as the personality. I think what ends up happening is that people really look at that as the model. Again, back to Chris Cuomo and CNN. You say this is what we need. We need our host to be doing this too. You know, when I worked at CNN a million years ago, they used to send me home with DVDs of Fox and Friends. Like, here's what they're doing. You need to figure out. I was like, right, but I'm covering the number of Americans who died in Afghanistan and they're doing a conga line. I'm like, I, I'm not sure how to how to do the show that they're doing with what we think is important to cover. But for a long time, a lot of people have said, how do we get the seat? How do we get the the engagement of the Fox audience? How do you get the engagement of the Joe Rogan listener slash viewer? So uh, I think it's it makes a lot of sense. And all you need to do is look at those numbers. And if you don't really care about the content or the quality of the content or the accuracy of the content, you say, this is amazing. This is great. Look at those numbers. And the same with, again, as I always say, cable is competing with social media. Look at the number of viewers. Look at the number of of followers, you know, and how do they get them? Well, you're over the top. You're extra mean. You're uh, divisive. You make shit up. I mean, that's kind of the answer. And nobody cares, right? And whatever you do, whatever you do, do not ever back down. Do not ever apologize. Mm. Well, and now Spotify's in 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 the similar position because they hired Joe Rogan and they knew what they were getting and they paid a lot of money and they're making a lot of money and they've got their employees who are pissed off because he's spreading misinformation and he's transphobic and you, but you knew what you were getting into. So I think the business motivations here are not, in my opinion, explored enough. The media doesn't explore itself enough unless they're blowing each other up, which they love to do. But let me ask you. Here's how those meetings went. Yeah. yeah. But you see, he's getting 20 million people. Yeah, yeah. But he's, yeah, I know he does that, but he's getting 20 million people. Yeah. But you know, he's getting 20. Like that's literally how that goes. And so can and I that, ask you, Soledad, what is, you, you, you're watching this. What is good? Like what's an alternative? Like you, who are the farm team people or like the up and comers or the off the radars? You know, like we talk about hard. PBS. I, I tell my students watch news hour, right? There's stuff out there that might not be as fun, but it's good information. What do you see as, as, as really good and maybe up and coming. That's not on people's radar. Yeah, Could be a person a, or a paper. Coming And listen, now you have a lot of journalists. I think the Texas Tribune is amazing. And again, you know, what you have to do is subscribe, get it online. Really, really interesting for coverage of Texas. Why would you watch 
you know, people at MSNBC covering Texas when you could actually go to the Texas Tribune. Right. I think there's tons of, I, I think really where the failures are, are in politics. And politics, which used to be a relative, I mean, used to be like this. Let's go to Bob at the White House, Bob. And Bob would give you, Bob at the White House. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate it. You know, and that was it. Like they would give you this context. Well, now you have a bunch of these White House correspondents. And again, it's like they've become famous. And I think their, their, their coverage is outsized for what their coverage should be. There's a lot that happens in the world that should be reported on and doesn't have to be framed as politics because I think the way we frame politics, New York Times does it, well, Washington Post does it, Wall Street Journal certainly does it, MSNBC, CNN, Politico, right? It's always a game. He won, he lost versus, right, but what happened? Did the American people win or lose? How do we think about right. this issue? Explain it that way versus did Biden get, did this person get? It's it's not just about the president per se. It's about the legislation and what happens to human beings who have a vested interest in getting health care or uh, getting laws about their safety pass. I mean, it just it's such a weird way to frame things. It's actually a very dude way, by the way, to frame shit. Like it's a football <laughs> who won and who lost. And and I think there's a lot, you know, who had the zinger in a debate is always so stupid because it's, you know, like who cares? It's not about the zinger. It's really about like, well, did, did the thing that they talk about, can you freaking fund that? Because if you can't fund it, then let's stop giving him points for what he said. Well, before we went on the air, defund NPR was trending on Twitter. Because, oh, no. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's attacks that are constant there and we don't have a, a BBC type model, right, that, that that would give us, you know, something. I'm glad you brought up the Texas Tribune. I think that's a great example. I think there are others. I mean, I don't agree Sorry. with everything, but I think the Atlantic is really good. I like the I Wall Street. They shouldn't pretend that they're that they're not conservative leaning, but that's OK. I mean, I, I think it's you're conservative leaning. I think that there's lots of brilliant writers at the Wall Street Journal. Washington Post is often good. Sometimes their politics stuff is messy. Tons of great journalists at the New York Times. Few in politics. Many of those people are just awful and, and so thin skin. My God, they just. Ugh. Uh, can I know, ask so you, can I ask you so that because we just came out of Martin Luther King weekend, which is kind of like I think there are these touchstones like like uh, Martin Luther King weekend, uh, 9-11, maybe like Memorial Day. Right. Where like everybody throws up their, their standard graphic. Right. Like I love black people. Right. Or like I love veterans. Right. And, and, and everybody does it. Right. You got you got every congressman running down to the M. They're all running down to the MLK Memorial to get a, a quick video and then they run back and do 20 other things. Can you just get, break down the last couple of days? Because for me, it's kind of one of those high points of hypocrisy and, yes. and just madness. But but what is your takeaway from that last couple of days? The media would do a better job and they really don't. And I know I'm being broad, but it, there's very few people who will say, well, this person was talking about, you know, the march to Selma and even did this and this and this. At the same token, they voted against this very thing that they're raving about. Like that is just basic hypocrisy coverage 101. It's not even hard. So, yeah, the number of politicians who, you know, hashtag I have a dream, hashtag MLK, hashtag, you know, it's just I think there's a real value in saying this person is espousing something, is championing something that they don't believe. This person is a hypocrite. Now, vote for them, don't vote for them, whatever you want, but you should understand where they where they stand, what they're really doing. And I, I do find that very frustrating. 
um, that again, you know, people will do a good job of saying, here's what so-and-so said. And, and it happens actually, I'll think of a lot of veterans issues. Listen, you know, we need to support veterans. We need, and then literally they go and, and vote against those things that actually would support homeless vets or support veterans who want to um, have some funding to get, go to higher education. You know, like they're very rarely, and I think the media, you need them to connect the dots and say, this person says they're for vets, but at every turn they're against vets. So let's talk about that mm, and, yeah. and not say, here's what they said, because that quote is just hypocritic, hypocritical. And it's not, it's not a parallel, but, but, but an observation that, you know, there's so much about us without us. Right. And, and you look across the, the spectrum and, you know, there are so few veterans more now, but but there are very few veterans that sit in anchor chairs that have been, you know, that that are uh, that are running media companies. And, and similarly, you're great at, at calling out people of color across the media spectrum. And it seems like some people are trying to fix that. Right. But but it's still very messy and still feels like a lot of tokenism. Um, yeah. Right. People do. Right. The minute they talk about anything with a veteran, it becomes an American's veterans tonight. We're going to talk about serving America. John Doe is an American hero. Right. And, and you're like, well, then maybe hire John Doe. You know, like that might actually be a really good strategy. If you really think John Doe is an American hero, freaking give John Doe a job, fund his company. Like I believe and maybe I'm losing my mind, but I believe in like calling that out and say, you should know while they're saying this. On the other hand, they're doing this. And I, I find it really frustrating. I think it's just not okay. Is there, is there a new model emerging? We had Adam Kinzinger on last week and he's kind of, you know, they're all doing their own podcasts, right? They're doing Trump light, right? Whether it's Crenshaw or, you know, or Kinzinger or Beta, like they're all doing, it seems like a lot of politicians uh, are trying to create their own media companies as a way to have a more powerful voice or kind of a place to hang out in between political things, right? But it seems like it's more possible from an infrastructure standpoint, from a reach standpoint, because you can just go on Twitter. You and I are examples of that, right? Like our Twitter feeds have an impact. People watch them. We can go around. If we can't get on air, we can still have something to say on things. Can you talk about that, that, that kind of yep. collision of pol political figures and media things? It's what I like about social media, right? You get to work around the gatekeepers who say, yeah, not you. We've decided you're too annoying, you're too frustrating, or we're just not it, or you don't tow the party line. And so I, I think it's great. Of course, you've reached a critical mass. And one of the problems with podcasts is there are a lot of them, and some of them are super boring, and politicians are often super boring in their podcasts. So, you know, I think that I, I don't know that it's ultimately fantastically helpful to somebody to, to be, to host a podcast person, just getting, you know, getting airtime. But yeah, I, I actually, I, it's one of the things I love about social media, which I also find very frustrating that social media, generally speaking, right. Is that you just get to work around, you get to have your opinion. You get to say, Hey, we're talking about this. And if you're interested and you're not a Russian bot, you get to join me and, mm -hmm. and, you know, weigh in and have this conversation at this day, or here's a picture of my dog. And I think <laughs> this dog is cute. And if you are interested in my dog, then you can like my picture. So there's something very appealing to me about working around it, but I do think you're right. I think for a lot of mm -hmm. politicians, it's a thing to do when you don't necessarily have a thing to do. And listen, more politicians could do a better job about building their uh, their outreach. You know, I think often politicians don't really reach out in yeah. effective way. You no, know, as, they have as, to be the social media manager, but they don't necessarily 
like one-on-one communicate with people. And I think there's something really great about that. Well, as, as a show called Independent Americans, one of the things that I want to try to do is give more oxygen to candidates that are saying no to all of the above, right? Because so many of them feel like they have to just bite their lip and pick a party. And now seems like a time when Americans are uniquely sick of the status quo in media, sick of the sick of the status quo in political parties. And I hope that that, you know, independent, truly independent media model and independent politics can kind of converge. Um, I don't know if, if you see that or not. But the other part that's converging, I, I can't have you on and not ask you. This is like a high point of sports and politics, too. Right. You've got, you know, uh, uh, you, you've got uh, everything from from Aaron Rodgers to Kyrie Irving, you know, Super Bowls coming NFL playoffs. We've got tennis now involved. Right. Djokovic won't won't get the shot. Can, any any observations or predictions as we go into the, this? I'm a correspondent for real sports and it keeps us very, very busy. You know, I, I love covering sports because I like the stakes and I love the stories. I never thought of myself as a sports reporter, but of course, if you work for real sports, you are, but I, I wouldn't tell you that I know my husband played tennis at a high level, but I wouldn't tell you that I know the ins and outs of tennis, but I love the personalities and I love the debates and I love the power struggles that happen. So yeah, I, I think reporting on sports is, is absolutely phenomenal and literally being a correspondent for real sports is the best possible gig in TV, I'd say. But of course, HBO would say it's not TV, it's HBO. Uh, but it's it's amazing. It just it's fascinating. And you can, you know, and it takes you everywhere. It takes you to people who are some random kid who's just, you know, playing some professional athlete who made a zillion dollars last year. I mean, it's it, it, people you never heard of people who you hear of every single night. I, I absolutely loved that that gig. I don't know where it's going. But again, Boldface name with a platform. And again, I think for a lot of these guys, whatever you do, don't back down. That seems to be the model. I always thought that Mitt Romney created it when he was running for failed presidential bid. You know, he and I I remember asking him, he said to me, literally, quote, you know, um, he said something like, we don't care about poor people was part of the quote. I'm like, uh, uh, he was doing the victory run after winning Florida. And I said, you don't care about poor people. Like, that sounds very weird. Like, I, I had my last question, but I'm like, hang on, I got to ask another one. And, and instead of saying, Soledad, you know what I mean. Of course, I care about poor people, but we need to invest in the middle class. Like a normal human being would say that. He said, he just doubled down. And it, he was mm-hmm. really the candidate that was the candidate of the double down, right? Like, you can never, ever, ever go back and say, let me clarify here's what I'm talking about. So when people talked about Etch-A-Sketch, you know, you just shake it and start over. Like literally, that's kind of how they saw it. The American mm. people weren't buying that brand of BS. But, you know, I, I think it was a real weakness to, to think that that was, you could sell it that way. Would you ever run? Is this, oh. is, you, got a, you got folks who are going in and out of media. Maya Wiley went from media to running for mayor. There's an open governor's spot here. Uh, would you ever run for, for office? <laughs> I'd stab myself in the eye with a fork where I would. I can't imagine a more thankless, miserable job where you'd have to sell your soul daily in order to get anything done. I like working. I love running a production company. We had 16 employees and I like like everybody's on the same page to go a certain direction. And, And if there's friction, we all believe in what we're trying to get to versus people who I think are just trying to undermine systems. And so, no, I never literally someone was trying to ask me to run for something. And I was like. You have lost your mind. Never, <laughs> ever, ever, never. 
Well, the New York governor's race is, is wide open. And you, yeah, I know you like taking shots at DeSantis. I can think of nothing more fun than watching you on a debate stage with Ron, De, Ron DeSantis. So oh I can God. at least hope for it when I'm drinking my, my fireball in, in a salute to you. Um, I know you've got wine this time. Thank you for all you're doing to call bullshit, uh, to throw punches. Years, you know, like have me on more than every three years. All right, let, let's do it. <laughs> Gladly. I would love to do that. In the meantime, I'm going to enjoy the pictures of the dogs and the horses. Uh, <laughs> and, and I just got to tell you, as somebody who is an activist, um, I like seeing you take shots at people and get under their skin. It's important. I think I think and it's I'm important. Like, yeah, am I? I don't know. You know, every so often someone will say, you know, you're an activist. And I'm like, because I think racism is bad. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, is that an activist? Because I think your elected officials should be accountable and not be liars. Does that make you an activist? Because you you think reporters should report accurately and not allow misinformation and shouldn't elevate things that are fictional. Is that an activist? It well, is. That's, it- that's good journalism and trying to educate people about what's really happening. So yeah, you know, that makes me mad. <laughs> well, I, whatever it is, I, I'm, I'm grateful for it. And I'm glad to see your reach expanding. Thank you for always being so generous with your time with me uh, and my with everything, everything we're doing. And Real Sto- Sports is still one of the best TV shows of all time. And yes. it's just the best of what everything can be. So thank you for that. Until then, we will continue to watch all the fireworks and the fireballs. And I thank you for all of your leadership. And I will toast to you. Stay vigilant, my friend. Cheers. Have a great night. Thank you. There she is, Soledad O'Brien. She might not run for office, but she will be calling bullshit. She will be drinking and throwing fireballs. And she'll be calling out the media for their failures and lining up the names that need to be fast-tracked to the Naughty Center, which is what we need now more than ever. And it is activism. And we need a whole lot more of it. We all need to challenge the media. We all need to push for better we all need to support better. It's another way we can be a helper. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. The helpers are out there. We talk about them in every episode. We've been highlighting them for 150 episodes and we'll continue to elevate them in the critical days and weeks and months to come. Look for the helpers. They're out there. We saw them step up yet again this week when a gunman took hostages inside a synagogue in Texas. The rabbi was trained, cool, prepared, brave, and helped. He stepped up to help and every one of the hostages got out alive the helpers are out there and check out the hashtag look for the helpers on twitter and share yours with me this show will continue to celebrate the helpers and you can see more about them if you go to our website you can also see the video from my conversation with soledad o'brien you can get independent americans gear for the new year to keep you warm this winter you can join our patreon community and much more if you go on over to independentamericans.us And if you missed our last big episode with Republican maverick helper Congressman Adam Kinzinger, check that out, too. And a quick update. Today, Adam was thrilled to announce the birth of his son, Christian Adam Kinzinger, 
The baby is here, and Adam's wife, Sophia, and the baby are doing great, and Dad is over the moon. He was a big guest, and if you missed it, it's at independentamericans.us and anywhere you get pods. And we'll have more guests like him, so keep your suggestions coming. And in that pod, Adam Kinzinger talk about the landscape and what we're doing to reach independence. And I'm throwing an ask out to another guy, Andrew Yang. I've been calling him out on Twitter. He replied back to me a couple months ago, but we want him on this show. He says he's focused on independence. I'd like to invite Andrew Yang to join us here on Independent Americans. We'd love to have you and discuss more. And Mr. Yang and everybody else, you can find Independent Americans and Righteous Media on YouTube. You can see videos from all our shows, and you can check us out on social media, where every Wednesday night you can guest the guests and win a prize and win recognition on this show. Thanks to all of you who play every single week. And thanks to our Patreon members. You continue to keep this show and this movement growing. I want to send a special shout out to Sharon Veen, who just joined The Vigilant. Welcome and thank you to Sharon. And if you like this show like Sharon does, please support us and go to the Apple Podcast Store and give us five stars. Be sure to subscribe for free and share, and we'll give you a new episode every single Thursday morning. And if you hate this show and you only want to give it one star, my name is Laura Ingram. That's got an A in it. It's spelled T-R-A-I-T-O-R. You got that? T-R-A-I-T-O-R. And while you're online, be sure to check out the Firefighters with Rob Sarah, also powered by Righteous Media. I told you last week, Rob's newest episode is his best yet. He's joined by a brilliant freelance photographer named Lloyd Mitchell. Lloyd Mitchell was on the scene at the catastrophic fire in the Bronx, New York, and he captured the images of the firefighters, of the victims, of everything. These images will live on forever. Iconic images that you will never forget. So they take you inside the fire. They killed 17 people, including eight children. Rob Sarah is a retired FDNY hero, and he's the man for this story. He also talks about the fire in Philadelphia that happened when a Christmas tree got set on fire by a kid and the Colorado wildfires. He's also got Richard Navioski back on the show, another firefighting legend. The Nav is back to give you his perspective on all these fires. And they give you insights on how to help keep you and yours safe. We're so proud to work with Rob and the Righteous team on this really important content. So check it out anywhere you get your pods or go to thefirefighters.us. It's powered by Righteous Media and Righteous is continuing to bring you the five eyes and all our podcasts and everything we do coming in strong to 2022. We're going to bring you independence, integrity, information, inspiration and impact. We'll help keep you out of that naughty center. And it's the Righteous Media team that does it. Creative Chris Rosenthal, brilliant Bill Schultz, precise Paula Hernandez. And big thanks, of course, to the honorary members of the Righteous Media team, my amazing wife and two boys. We've obviously been watching lots of football in the last couple of weeks, and it was a fantastic super wildcard weekend. You know I love football. If you don't, you know now. I thought the Rams looked good. I thought the Chiefs looked good. I thought the Bills looked real good. And it's great to see Buffalo winning, and by that much. It's also great to see New England losing, and by that much. And what a great game for the Bengals. Good for you, Cincinnati. Finally, you have a playoff win after over 30 years. 
Welcome to the Joe Burrow era. This guy is for real. So it was a big weekend. The Pats lost big. The Eagles lost big. The Cowboys lost too. It was the best NFL weekend a Giants fan like me can ask for without our team playing. But I would pay a lot of money if I could watch NFL games without commercials and especially without those damn Gronk USAA commercials. But it was a great weekend of football. And then we got a foot of snow on Monday and no school on Tuesday, which meant a lot of sledding. It also means my kids have been out of school for basically the last 30 days. And now my wife is traveling this week. She's on the West Coast, so it's me and the boys solo. Needless to say, there will be lots of football and lots of pizza and not a lot of bath time, but we will have some fun. And since we're talking about the media, over the last couple weeks, I got to watch the final episode of The Expanse. And whoa, what an ending. Bravo. We want more. We want more. Hey, Jeff Bezos, give the people what they want. Save The Expanse. Give us some extra seasons. If you don't know what the hell I'm talking about, you didn't listen to episode 114 with Wes Chatham. It was back in May. Wes is one of the stars of The Expanse, which I think is one of the best TV shows ever. We talked about how The Expanse in 2050 is like America in 2021. He also shares one of the greatest Denzel Washington stories you'll ever hear. He went from a Navy petty officer third class to Hollywood badass. Anywhere you get this pod or at independentamericans.us, go back and check out the West Chatham episode. That's episode 114. And since we're talking about TV, I finally started watching Yellowstone. And yep, it's that good. If you haven't seen it, it's that good. I'm on season two already, and it just keeps getting better. It's kind of like Succession for Cowboys, with lots of fantastically nasty characters that should go into the Naughty Center. And the music, the music is excellent. And I'd love to get the star of that series, Kevin Costner, on this show. So if you know him, please let him know. Kevin, if you're listening, please join us. You can come on right after Andrew Yang. But until then, America is more divided than ever. And we at Independent Americans and Righteous Media are working to change it by adding light to contrast the heat of all those other political shows. So if you're part of the 40% of Americans who are independent, this is your place. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, but you're not a diehard partisan, and there are more and more of you after the last couple of weeks especially, this is your show. If you're just a concerned American who cares about the future of your country, this is your show. All are welcome. We invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. We're a refreshing alternative to all the rest of that media chatter you hear way too often. So please keep sharing the show and keep sharing the hope because hope is the oxygen of democracy. And we need it especially right now. It's January. It's cold. The holidays are long gone. Football is almost over. And we're all sick of wearing masks and this damn virus. But we got to keep pushing. And we got to keep sharing the hope whenever we can. It's that energy that'll keep this movement of independent Americans growing week by week by week. And stay vigilant, my friend, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And know you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant. And we're all in this together. We can all stay out of the naughty center, put the people in there who belong there, and keep throwing the fireballs of truth. 
from five-year-old Layla Somani to Soledad O'Brien to Wes Chatham to Kevin Costner to you. All across this country, we're all in this together. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thanks for listening. And stay vigilant, America. Powered by Righteous Media.